So we are entering the atmosphere. We can feel that the call from Alexei Ovchinin aboard the Soyuz MS-12 indicating that the crew is now feeling a, the tug of gravity. A cloudless day over south-central Kazakhstan to greet Nick Haig, Alexei Ovchinin, and Haza Ali Al-Mansuri. Everything has proceeded uh, in perfect fashion for Haig, Ovchinin, and Al-Mansuri who are just minutes away from completing their respective missions. Al-Mansuri uh, wrapping up a 3.3 million mile mission over eight days. Touchdown, right on the money at 5.59 a.m. Central Time, 6.59 a.m. Eastern Time, 4.59 p.m. at the landing site, the soft landing engines having fired, the main parachute now reefing. Nick Haig, Alexei Ovchinin, and Haza Ali Al-Mansuri are home. Haza Al-Mansuri, the first Emirati in space, has landed back on Earth. He spent eight days aboard the International Space Station, orbiting around the world at 7.6 kilometers a second. While there, in zero gravity, Haza conducted experiments relating to the perception of time in microgravity and the effects of space on the body's cardiovascular system. You're listening to Beyond the Headlines. I'm your host, Sohail Akram, and this week we follow up on the UAE space mission and Haza's historic return from the International Space Station. The mission badge that was chosen by the Mohammed bin Rashid Space Center uh, has on it, uh, obviously it has a picture of Sheikh Zayed on it, uh, but it also uh, it also records the mission as mission number one. Uh, so that uh, suggests that there will be a mission number two and three and four uh, and as many as you want, really. That was James Langton, contributor for The National. He was in Kazakhstan last week as Haza launched into space. So I, I think uh, it's very hard actually to put into words uh, what you see at a launch. It's such an extraordinary, uh, almost visceral event, the, the noise and the vibrations and also the realization as you see this sort of flaming thing going up into the air that there are three human beings sitting on top of it. Uh, it's one of those things I think that stays with you forever. Uh, and it really underlines the enormous amount of courage that's needed to actually go into space. And it's almost as if everyone collectively holds their breath. And there's just this, first of all, there's this tiny spark of light uh, from the rocket, which is about a less than, is about a kilometer away. And then suddenly this enormous mushrooming orange smoke and fire. Uh, and the sound that, that just rolls towards you and gets louder and louder and louder. And you just, everyone was just watching this spark ball of light going up and up and up. Uh, and it just seemed to go on forever. You could follow it for an enormously long time. Uh, I don't know how high it was when we finally lost sight of it. Uh, but just everyone was just watching, uh, just absolutely stunned by this. Uh, and, I, I'm, and I spoke to people who've seen it uh, before, seen these before, and they just say it never gets old. Every time you see it, it's, it takes about nine minutes to reach space. And when the, the announcement came through uh, it, over the speakers, which was in Russian, but there were people around who translated. Everyone just started cheering and, and clapping their hands. And uh, it was a sense of excitement, but also relief that, you know, that this part of the journey was completed. Since leaving for the ISS on the 25th of September, Haza's space mission has caught the imagination of the entire world, particularly the Emirati people. Space and everything about his trip has been trending on social media. Haza's expedition has already etched his name 
in the country's folklore. But now that he has returned, what does this mean for the UAE? We spoke to Salim Al-Marri, Assistant Director General for Scientific and Technical Affairs at the Mohammed bin Rashid Space Center. Basically, uh, what we have with Hazza and Sultan is that they are part of the Mohammed bin Rashid Space Center, MBRC's uh, Selection Group 1. So they're the first group of astronauts that we have selected. And uh, we intend, uh, obviously, to have them as active astronauts as long as we would be able to. Obviously, there's uh, personal decisions up to them, of course. But our intention is that these are active astronauts for us to look forward to in future missions, what we call the national, the UA National Space Program. And that has four different uh, initiatives or programs. One of them is the satellite development program where we're de- developing satellites in the UAE using UAE skill sets uh, like KhalifaSat. And then the second uh, program is the UAE Mars mission. Uh, and the, uh, that's the HOPE probe that you just mentioned. We also have the UAE astronaut program and the Mars 2117 uh, program. So those four programs fall under this uh, uh, national space program that we have. And uh, the Mars mission is part of that uh, overall uh, space program. The UAE has set its sights on Mars. The country will launch a Martian probe next year to mark the 50th anniversary of the formation of the UAE. Considering only one nation has managed to reach the moon, it may seem ambitious for humanity to set a course for Mars. But James explains that the UAE is not alone in this scientific adventure. Uh, The HOPE mission will be sending a satellite that will orbit Mars, and it's one that's been built and designed by the UAE, by Emiratis. So that's, uh, that's quite significant in itself uh, because it, it, it shows a degree of independence. And it will be, uh, arrive, it will be taking off next year. It, uh, there'll be a whole lot of missions going to Mars next year because it's a time when Mars is a lot closer to Earth than it is right now, and uh, it cuts down on the journey time. Again, it's another club that the UAE is part of, which is being able to send missions to Mars, which, as we know, is the, is the long-term target by NASA to send a human to Mars. So I think the UAE would very much like to be part of that. I think we're at, uh, on the edge of a, a quite an exciting era in space exploration. It kind of went dormant, I think, uh, certainly after the Apollo missions and uh, with the end of the space shuttle program. But I think uh, it's a bit, in, it's, it's invigorated now. And we're once again, we're kind of pushing the boundaries of technology and seeing what can be achieved. Mykolaj Zelensky is a UAE resident from Poland and a Mars One candidate. Mars One is a Netherlands-based project that hopes to be one of the first to send humans to Mars. Mykolaj spoke to us about the selection process. There was about 200,000 people interested in it, uh, meaning that they were sending emails to Mars One asking how to apply, I would like to go to Mars, and so on. As far as I know, about six, 7,000 people were able to submit full application, which consists of a video to introduce ourselves, to replying to some tricky questions and uh, writing and, and, and a motivation letter. Mainly based on uh, the motivation letter, I guess, uh, they selected more than 1,000 candidates. I think it was 1,058 people. And then we had a health checkup. Uh, Afterwards, we've got some study materials. And it was all about Mars, uh, all about uh, the project, uh, about historical missions to Mars. And uh, in quite short time, we had to learn everything. And then we had interviews. Online, this was mostly to show our capability for rapid learning because the next 10 years will be all about 
uh, learning. Based on that interview, uh, they selected 100 candidates. Now we are waiting for the next round. It will be all about teamwork, team spirit, leadership, followership. Um, and uh, hopefully uh, it will happen next year. Uh, so there will be cut down from 100 to about 40. The last round will be more focused on how we can deal with isolation and again teamwork, team spirit and all these things because actually teamwork is the most important aspect. Mars is no place for the faint-hearted. The arid and rocky planet is hardly hospitable for humans as liquid water is generally not stable there and its atmosphere is very thin. But despite these challenges, those who aspire to embark on a Martian journey are keen to discover what is yet unknown about the red planet. This is mission of permanent settlement. If I have an opportunity to, to go to Mars and search for life there, I don't see. A, I don't have need to to come back to Earth. I will be more happy if I can make a new discovery every day, and uh, you know, go here and there and collect some samples, analyze them in my, under microscope, and then send uh, send something to scientists on Earth and do it every day. This will be the most fulfilling life. The idea of heading on a one-way mission to Mars is definitely not for everyone. But Mikola explains why it appeals to some people and what inspires him. Some people are excited with the idea of space exploration, some others not necessary. So there is some subset of population, uh, people who are really curious. And uh, for them, such things like going somewhere and checking what is behind horizon, what is uh, on top of that mountain and what is uh, on another planet. It's, it's it's interesting for them. Like we have a group of people who are excited and would like to go to Mars, and some others they say, "Oh, thank you. I I prefer to stay on Earth." My curiosity and my fascination with uh, exploration it comes from that big question that uh, scientists were asking for for hundreds of years: if we are alone in the universe. Space continues to draw human interest, and Mikolai believes. Hazard's historic mission will inspire a whole new generation. This is very, very motivating for young people. Uh, this is how uh, now today's generation in the US, in 60s, 70s, uh, kids were watching how uh, US was trying to put men on the moon. This uh, motivated many of them to become an astronaut engineer a researcher, a doctor, and uh, nowadays, from that fact that uh, 50 years ago uh, they managed to, to land on the on the moon, and something like this uh, is now happening in the U in UAE. Uh, kids are watching what UAE Space Agency is doing, and it's motivating for them. In, in 10, 20, 30 years, they will take charge of next steps and they will make that ambitious plan of building a city on Mars happen. Salim Al-Murri says this is all part of the objectives set by the Mohammed bin Rashid Space Center. I think we have multiple very large objectives. The first and very clear objective was that we get an Emirati into space. And that was our first objective. Uh, the second uh, objective of uh, that mission is that we uh, have a very in-depth program that is uh, significantly scientific, uh, significantly cultural, and significantly educational for the UAE. So it's linked with the 
the overall scientific objectives of the country. There's a big education and outreach uh, uh, element uh, linked to that. We want to inspire the UAE. We want everybody in the UAE to be thinking about space. Uh, and of course, there's a cultural uh, perspective where we have, obviously, as the first uh, Arab country to go to the ISS, then you know there's a lot of items that we would like to share with uh, ISS partners, such as our national clothes, our national foods, uh, items from our religion, from our culture, etc. Salim tells us plans are underway to ensure that UAE is a major player in the future space programs. The idea is that we have a long-term program. So that you know, the UAE is saying that we are now uh, interested and uh, putting our research uh, dollars or germs into uh, either live on Mars or the moon or at least be part of that process. We're not saying we're going to do that on our own. We're going to do that definitely jointly with international partners. And today, you know, there's a big push towards going to the moon. And for us, um, the moon is a stepping stone to Mars. But again, I mean, this is not about the specifically the objective. It's more about the journey. Today, uh, the first project out of that program is the Mars Science City. And the Mars Science City is going to be built on the ground in Dubai. It's going to be a research facility that will be focused on food, water, energy, as well as analog studies where you will simulate a mission profile of going to Mars for a year, staying there for about two years, and then coming back for a year of a journey of you know, three, four years of what that would do to a human, etc. So there's a lot of research that's going to be done on the ground that will then, you know, let's say, facilitate us being a significant player or at least a contributor to what the global effort is to get to Mars and the Moon and beyond. As Hazar returns home to the UAE, the support team behind him are already working to launch the Mars mission for next year's probe and bring to fruition the plan to send humans to Mars in 98 years' time. Thanks this week to Salim Al-Murray, James Langton and Mikolai Zelensky. This is Beyond the Headlines. Subscribe to the program by tapping the subscribe button on your podcast app. Follow more of our coverage on our website, thenational.ae. We were produced this week by Aisha Khan and Arthur Edison. I have been your host, Sohail Akram. Thank you for listening.